I've been talking to you on what the Christian life entails. What the Christian life entails. And our text is here in the book of 2 Timothy. If you will go there with me, please. What the Christian life entails. Ask someone the question, what does the Christian life entail? Wait for an answer. <laughs> what the Christian life entails. Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, verses 7 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There are several things that I want us to look at in these verses, and these verses are basically a summary of what the Christian life entails. I want to endeavor to touch each aspect as much as I can and expound on them. And what I've been doing is I've taken the time in the first week to talk to you on what I entitled the fight. I once said the fight. Because if you notice, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Notice he did not say, I have fought a good fight. He said, I've fought the good fight. And I emphasize the first week, that the only fight the believer in Christ is engaged in is the fight of faith. I want to say the fight of faith. There is no other fight the believer in Christ is engaged in. We are not in a boxing ring with the devil going uh, for 12 rounds. No. The devil is defeated already. The Bible says and Jesus made a public show of the devil and he triumphed over the devil. Jesus said, all power in heaven and in earth is given to me. And if he said, all power in heaven and in earth is given to him, what does that imply? That implies that the devil has no power. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Now, if the devil has no power, my question now is, why does the Bible say in Colossians 1.13 that he has delivered us from the power of darkness? Let me explain that to you. The power that the devil has over a believer in Christ is the power the believer in Christ allows him to have. And to be very honest with you, the power of the kingdom of darkness is nothing but a lie and deception. That was a deception. Deception is a lie. If the devil can get you to believe his message, then he has power over you. That is what it is. The power of the devil over a believer is deception. And deception is running rampant in these last days. We must make sure that we are in the word of God so that we are not deceived. Because deception is the power of the kingdom of darkness over a believer. If the devil can get you to believe that you are under a curse. If you believe it, if you swallow that line who can sink her then you will not see the blessing of God operating in your life. If the devil can get you to believe you are sick, and you believe that, then you will not see the healing power of God working in your life. If the devil can get you to believe that you are broke, then you will not see the power of God to prosper you, walk in your life. The way a man thinks is the way the man is. Guard your heart, my son, with all diligence, because from out of it flows the issues of life. If you believe it, you will have it. Are you listening? There is faith, but then there is doubt. Whatever you believe, that's what you're going to have. And so what the devil is going to try to do is to cause you to believe his lies. And notice Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. Whatever he says is a lie. So if the devil tells you you are bound, you have to understand that that's not true. The reason he told you you are bound is because you are free. 
Oh my God, I pray that light will come on this morning. The reason he told you that you are living under a generational curse is because he knows that you are living under generational blessings. But all he needs to do is to speak to you. And if he speaks to you and you believe it, then he has power over you. Because the moment you believe the law of the devil, he paralyzes you. But I pray that no one is going to be paralyzed by the lie of the devil anymore. So light will come on in Jesus' mighty name. Can someone shout amen? Amen. So the only fight the believer is engaged in is the fight of faith. Now what's the fight of faith? The fight of faith is to stand firm on the promises of God and you are not going to be moved by what is happening around you. That's the fight of faith. Paul writes to Timothy, he said, My son, fight the good fight of faith. Fight. I want to say fight. Fight the good fight of faith. The good thing about this fight is this fight is good. Because this fight is designed for the believer in Christ to overcome. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What overcomes the world? It's your faith. The only fight the believer is engaged in is a fight of faith. That's a good place to say amen. amen. But you see... The believer who is ignorant does not understand this, so they are engaged in many other fights. So people go through all kinds of deliverance, all kinds of services to break curses off of their lives. And so my question to the Christian is how can you be under the blessing and under the curse at the same time? You need to answer that question. Because many have been brainwashed by religion. Many have been brainwashed by the lie of the devil. And a lot of preachers are preaching the same lie of the devil from the pulpit. Tell me how a Christian can be blessed and cursed. Tell me. How is it possible? Tell me. Tell me. And guess what? When they begin to teach along the lines of these things, they pull out Old Testament scriptures. Everything must be looked at through the eye of the cross. Has Jesus paid the price? Did he pay some price and left some unpaid? Come on now, why do you say no? And yet and then you still go through all kinds of nonsense. Because it's easy for people to come and say no, no, or yes. But then they go back and they do the opposite of what they have said. Did Jesus pay a full price? Did he pay a complete price? Did he die on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for the consequences of your sin? In actual fact, there is only one consequence to sin. Only one. And that consequence is death. The soul that sinneth, he shall die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? Amen. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Have we been set free by Jesus? If we have been set free by Jesus, then why do we believe the lies? The reason the lies are floating all around is because the enemy wants believers paralyzed. Because he knows that if the believer believes his lie, the believer will be paralyzed and the believer will never rise up to accomplish the purposes of God. I am not under a curse. I'm under the blessing. I am not bound. I am free. For whom the Son sets free, he is free. Indeed. The Israelites came out of Egypt and they came to the, to, to the, to the wilderness. And, and Balak, a king, called on Balaam, a prophet, and said, Come and put a curse on this people. I can't defeat them on my own. I want you to cast a spell on them. And Balaam and said, God, should I do it? God said, don't do it. 
But Balak put pressure on Balaam and offered him a house filled with good things. And Balaam goes back to God and said, God, should I go and put a curse on this people? And God said, go. Now listen, God did not say go because he wanted him to put a curse on the people. God because he knew the mind of Balaam. Balaam wanted to go. And that reveals to us that God is not going to impose his will on you. You have choice to do whatever you want. But there is a way that seemed right to men. The end of the way is death. And so if you keep pushing to have your way, you're going to have your way. But the end of your way is destruction. It is the blessing of the Lord that make one, makes one rich. And God does not add sorrow with it. Can someone say amen? amen. And, so, and so Balaam goes and he opens his mouth and is about to put a curse on the people of God. And guess what? The Bible says when he opened his mouth, instead of cursing, came blessing. Balak, Balak the king said, you're, you're blessing them. I did not call you to bless them. I called you to curse them. He said, you know what, king? My position is wrong. Let me change my position. So he changes his position. He opens his mouth to Israel, and blessings began to flow forth. He said, my position is wrong. Let me change my position. He changes his position, and he opens his mouth to curse Israel, and blessings began to come forth. And he revealed something that every New Testament believer needs to understand. He said, look, king, I can't curse them because the shout of a king is in the midst of them. Amen. I don't care the uncle in your village. I don't care the auntie in your, in your village. I don't care who you think is putting a curse upon your life. It is not possible if Jesus is with you. Let me talk about types and shadows. Under the Old Covenant, Egypt is a type of the world. Under the Old Covenant, Pharaoh is a type of the devil. Under the Old Covenant, Israel is a type of the church. So when the wicked wanted to put a curse upon the church, they say it's not possible. Because every time they try to curse you, God will turn the curse into a blessing. Amen. Are we not children of Abraham? What did God say to Abraham? Those that bless you, I'll bless them. Those that curse you, I'll curse You know what that means? When the curse comes out, it will go back to them. How many of you have seen a boomerang? You know the thing you throw? It's called a boomerang. When you throw it, it comes back to you. You cannot curse a man. You cannot curse a woman that God has blessed. Amen. Tell three people the shout of the king is with me. So the only fight a believer must fight is a fight of faith. What is a fight of faith? Resist. I do not care what's happening around me. I don't care what the devil is saying. I stand upon the authority of the word of God. I believe no other report than the report of the Lord. Amen. That's the fight of faith. That's the only fight you fight. That's the only fight you fight. We need, we need to get rid of this mentality that the devil is after us. You look at some Christians, they tell you the devil is after them. Pastor, I'm so depressed because the whole week the devil has been pursuing me. My question to you is, why is the devil pursuing you? The devil shouldn't pursue you. You should be the one pursuing the devil and kicking the devil out of town. Hmm? Come on, say amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said, praise God. Hallelujah. So we talked about the fight. Everyone said the fight. That's the fight of faith. That's the only thing that we do. The only thing that we engage in is the fight of faith. And then last week, I talked about the race. Everyone said the race. The race. <laughs> last week, we talked about the race. We are all in a race. Right? 
We're all in the race. Paul said, I've finished the race. We are a collective body, but we are in an individual race. No one runs this race for you. They can encourage you, but they can't run it. Your spouse cannot run this race for you. Are you listening to me? It's a race. And everyone must run. And not everyone who runs wins. Is that true? Some run and they fall along the way. Even if you watch like in a marathon, not everyone that starts finishes. Is that true? In a hundred meter dash, not everyone crosses the line sometimes. Something might go wrong with people. And, and we've seen people that stuff have gone wrong with. And so we, we try to help them and encourage them and pick them up again. The church must understand that when one of ours is wounded, we must not shoot them to death. We must raise them up. Yes. It is said that the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. We must not shoot our wounded. We must pick them up. We must encourage them. We must stand by them. And we must help them so that they will overcome what the devil has thrown at them. That's a good place to say amen. amen. The moment a brother commits a sin, the moment a sister commits a sin, it's all over Instagram. That's not the job of the church. The church is not to shoot his wounded. The church is to help its wounded. Come on, say amen. amen. That's why I've told people, be careful who you tell your secrets. They are my best friend. No, they are not your best friend. Say amen. Because the moment you tell them your, your stuff, everyone knows about it. And they will write stuff on Facebook. They will not mention your name, but you know they are referring to you. I've seen that. They, 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 they become spiritual. Facebook has become a platform for many to be preachers. And I know, you're, I know who you're talking to. I read it and I can tell. You think it's coded. It's not coded. I can, I can tell. You're referring to somebody. I know their name. <laughs> I once said the race. We are all in a race. We've got to run well. And I told you that there are things we do to run this race well. Like an athlete, like a, let's say a football player, for instance. They always do the basics. Like I showed you last week, they get to the field, they pass the ball. They do the basics. They don't win Champions League if they don't do the basics. They must, on a regular basis, do the basics. Because it is the basics that enables them as a team to win the league. Not the complicated, but the basics. Are you listening to me? A lot of people have ignored the basics of Christianity. That's what I call spiritual disciplines. One of the spiritual disciplines that we have as children of God is prayer. The life of prayer must not be ignored. If you will succeed in your race, you must develop your life of prayer. Your prayer life is not relegated to the back seat. Your prayer life must be the ultimate part of your life on a daily basis. It's a life of prayer. Come on, say amen. amen. But see, some people don't pray anymore. The only time they pray is when they're about to eat. Lord, bless my food in Jesus' name. Come on now. There is a life of prayer. Every believer must understand the power of prayer. This is one of the basic things that we do to run our race well. I talked about fasting. The Bible does not say if you fast. The Bible says when you fast. A lot of people are lazy. They can't even fast. And they, they, they look at their lives and they wonder why they're not having victory. There are things that unless you fast, they won't leave. Because Jesus said, this kind goeth not out except by prayer and fasting. This is one of our spiritual disciplines. 
reading the Bible, studying the Bible. This is part of our spiritual disciplines. A lot of Christians are so ignorant of the word. And they wonder why they're falling into temptation. The only way you're going to defeat the devil when he tempts you is by the word and by the spirit. How did Jesus defeat the devil? Command the stone to be bread if you are the son of God. It is written. Men shall not live by bread alone. Notice Jesus did not argue. Jesus did not negotiate. Jesus only quoted the scripture. Are you listening to me? <laughs> the Bible refers to the, to the word as the sword of the spirit. Taking unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what you use in defeating the attack of the enemy. Can someone say amen? amen. These things are so important. These are basics. These are basic, basic spiritual things. But these basic things cannot be overemphasized. I can talk about these things from now till the end of the year. You've got to open your ears and listen. Are you listening to me? Because if you don't take these things seriously, you are not going to run your race well. I want to say prayer. Say it's a, it's a life of prayer. Life. Come on, say it like a minute. It's a, it's a life of prayer. Your daily devotion. See, your prayer life is totally different from your daily devotion. Your daily devotion is when you open the word of God, read and study. And like, like yesterday in the Bible school, I was teaching the students the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Are you listening now? You can read the whole of Genesis, one to the end. You can read the whole of Exodus, one to the end. But when it comes to study, it's a totally different thing. You can do a book study. Now, I know I'm not in Bible school right now, but I'm telling you, everyone needs this thing. You can do a book study. You can do a character study. You can do a word study. Because see, every time you see the word love in the Bible, it does not mean agape. Because <laughs> there are three other kinds of love. Agape is one of the kinds of love in the Bible. The other three are storge, phileo, and eros. These are all Greek words. Don't worry. <laughs> About the Greek and the Hebrew. <laughs> but the agape love of God is unconditional. For God so agape the world. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. The word love there is agape. Not storge, not phileo, not eros. And I was talking about how a lot of marriages are built on errors. It's love, but it's not the love of God. It's sexual love. That's why a lot of people are married, have been married for four or five times. Because the moment they first saw the guy or the girl, the girl was hot. Sexy. Oh, you think I can't use the word sexy in church? I can. You use it too. And that's a problem. That's a problem in the body of Christ today. People want to be sexy. And if all, if all you want to do is present yourself that way, people will come to you, guys will come to you, but guess what? They have a reason. They have a reason. And if you build your relationship based on that, you're done. Because I can guarantee you, there is somebody else more. Then you are. That's why many people have been married four or five times. Because the flames are no more. The passion is no more. The excitement is no more. And, and okay, I'm done because we don't have it anymore, right? The fire is gone. Then they move on to the next person. And then they move on to the next person. And then they move on to the next person. And guess what? Before you blink, you've five times. So every time you see the word love in the Bible does not mean agape love of God. Can someone say amen? amen. Can someone say amen? amen? No, like in the case of Amnon and, and Tamar. The children of David, the king. Amnon loved Tamar. 
But Tamar was his sister. Is that agape? That's not agape. So you open that and you read, he loved, and you think, oh, he, he, oh that's the love of God. That's not the love of God. This is why a lot of people are deceived, because they don't know the Bible. They don't know the word of God. That's the reason why I'm emphasizing the need for every believer to give time to study. Paul writes to Timothy, say, give time to study. He says to him, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if Paul says that you can rightly divide the word of truth, it implies that you can also wrongly divide the word of truth. And there are so many people in the churches, in the body of Christ, that are so deceived because of what they have heard. Jesus said, be careful how you're hearing. Be careful what you're listening to. Because it's going to affect you. Can someone say amen? amen. <laughs> Each of us must rise up in these things. You can't run your race effectively if you are not giving time to study. You can't run your race effectively if you're feeding on junk food. Are you listening to me? A lot of people are sick, physically speaking now. They're not healthy in their bodies. They're, they're always very weak, always very tired. But the reason they're always weak and tired is because of the kind of food they eat. Is that correct? They're deficient of the, of, the, of the minerals they need in their bodies. Of the vitamins they need in their bodies. They're deficient of these things. Why? Because they're always eating in McDonald's. And turkey fried chicken. Give me a break. What you eat will affect you. What you eat can make you strong or sick. True or false? Very true. Fast food. Look, eat at home. Cook at home. And eat at home. Amen. Some people just like to eat outside. Eat at home. Eat healthy. Amen. You wonder why uh, you are expanding everywhere. <laughs> Pastor, I cannot lose weight. Of course you cannot lose weight. How can you lose weight? How? Prospering, pro, 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 prosperity. <laughs> on, <laughs> pro, prosperity on every side. Say, Lord, help me. <laughs> now, today I, I want to talk about this. He says, I have kept the faith. This is the third aspect as we see what Paul writes here. I have kept the faith. Everyone say, I've kept the faith. Now, I told you you can't say these things because you haven't finished your race yet. Is that correct? You are still running your race. And so we can't say like Paul said it, but we can say we are keeping the faith. Praise the Lord. Now, the faith that Paul says he has kept is faith in Christ. I want to say faith in Christ. The word kept in the Greek is tereo. And it means to keep by guarding, to keep by protecting. That's what it means. It means to watch over. So when Paul says, I've kept the faith, it means I watched over my faith. I've protected my faith. I made sure that I did not allow anything to come in and deceive me. I've kept the faith. Can someone say amen? amen? It means to keep by guarding. It, keeps, it means to protect. It means to watch over. The Greek word for faith here is pistis, which has to do with a conviction based on hearing. So Paul's trust in Jesus never wavered. His faith was as solid on the day of his death 
as it had been the moment he first believed on the road to Damascus. I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Keeping the faith is never easy. There is no doubt Satan would do everything that he can to cause you to give up on the faith. I can tell you that. That's why I'm not a believer in this. I'm not a preacher in this uh, once saved, forever saved. I don't preach that. I don't believe that. The big, the big argument or the big debate that has gone on in the body of Christ. There has been some debates really that has gone on in the body of Christ for, for many years. One of the debates is, can a Christian have a demon? And here is my answer. A Christian can have whatever he wants. <laughs> Do you want a demon? So, so what kind of question is that? Can a Christian have a demon? What kind of Christian? What do you want? Do you want a demon? People that ask questions like this, you just, it just amazes me. What do you mean, can a Christian have a demon? Do you want a demon? So what, what will happen if I tell you yes? Do you want one? So some of the questions are not important. To our race. A Christian shouldn't be asking if they can have a demon. Do you want a demon? Huh? Can a Christian have a demon? That has been, people have debated on this thing for, for a long, long time. Can a Christian have a demon? The second debate has been can a Christian lose his salvation? Well, Calvinism will tell you that, no, you can't. Because the moment you're saved, you're saved forever. Now, the question also would be, which Christian is thinking of losing his salvation? Huh? Can a Christian lose his salvation? Are you planning to lose it? Huh? What is better? Huh? You want to go back to Egypt? And be whipped by the slave masters? Can a Christian lose his salvation? If you want to lose it, you can. This is sim it's simple. Some of these questions are just so easy to answer. Do you want to lose it? You can. Just say, Lord, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Um, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, but I just want to tell you from today, you are no more my Lord, you are no more my Savior. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. In actual fact, Because it appears like Christians lose their, lost their minds when we became Christians. Now we, our minds are not active. We can't use our minds anymore. You can use your mind. You have a choice. Tell your neighbor you have a choice. You came here today by choice. Nobody dragged you here. Are you listening to me? Even, even if the Holy Spirit spoke to you this morning to go to church, you could say no. You have a choice. You have a choice. I don't see chains around your neck. No one dragged you here. You came here by choice. I want to say by choice. You go to heaven by choice. You go to hell by choice. You, you will never get to hell by accident. <laughs> Boom. Oh, I didn't know I was coming here. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. I accidentally appeared in hell. No. I accidentally appeared in heaven. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says to keep yourself in the love of God. 
The Bible says to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says repent because if you don't repent, I'll come and I'll turn off your light. Paul said, I don't want to preach others into the kingdom and on that, on that day I will be disqualified. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, repent or else I'm going to blot your name out of the book that I've written. I'll erase it. Well, some of you haven't read that shit. Jesus said, I will erase your name. I'll erase it. You know, if you went to school, you wrote the wrong answer. And then you realize, oh, the answer is wrong. You take your eraser. You erase it. Jesus said, I will erase your name. Out of my book. Moses said, Lord, if you would not forgive them, it blot out my name from the book that you've written. God says, no, I won't blot out your name from my book. It is he that has sinned. I will blot his name out. So what do you want? Do you want God to blot your name out? Do you want to run your race and finish it? What are we talking about here? Can a Christian lose his salvation? You want, you can lose it. But the, 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 the thing is, no true Christian wants to lose his salvation. Are you seeing now? No true believer wants to be demon-possessed. No true believer would do stuff that will open his life up to demons. No true believer will live in sexual immorality. No true believer will live in a life of drug addiction and, and, and I mean, stealing and selling drugs. Now, addiction is a whole different thing. No true believer wants to live like that. No true believer will go to a witch doctor. Am I preaching here? Yes. So, so the answer to the question is right in front of all of us. Why are we asking this question? Can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian lose his salvation? If you want a demon, go visit a witch doctor. You get one. If you want a demon, keep committing sexual sin. A demon will enter you. Don't tell me a Christian can't have a demon. The demon will come in. The demon will enter. It's getting quiet now. So we keep the faith. I want to say keep the faith. Keep the faith. But keeping the faith requires that you trust the grace of God. You trust the grace of God to keep you. Keep you strong. Keep you in the will of God. Can someone say amen? amen. So there is no doubt that Satan would do everything within his power to cause you to give up on the faith. He will try. He will try. Let's look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Praise God. <coughs> uh, in actual fact, Second Corinthians eleven. Second Corinthians eleven. We're going to read from verse twenty-three to thirty-three. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he said, look, I want to act a little foolish here. Look at what he says in verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. I don't have time to tell you the background story and all the details involved. But basically Paul is saying to them, look, if others are taking advantage of you when I did not take advantage of you, I was the one that brought you to the faith. I was the one that raised you up. I was the one that established you guys in the faith. And they come and they take advantage of you. I never took advantage of you. They call themselves ministers. I am more than they are. If we want to argue and look at things from the natural standpoint. So let me boast a little, he said. Let me blow my trumpet a little. Are they ministers of Christ? 
I speak as a fool. I am more in labors. I am more in labors, more abundant. Notice, in stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. Now, these are the things that the devil was doing to Paul. To get him to give up on the faith. The pressure that the enemy placed upon him to get him to give up. So he begins to list these things in stripes. That is in flogging, above measure, in prisons, more frequently, in death, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times. Five times they, 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 they beat the guy. 40 stripes minus one. Because it is said that the 40th will kill you. Jesus also was whipped. 40, uh, 40 minus 1, 39. Paul said, five times they whipped me. Five times they whipped me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Three times with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils of the city. In perils, uh, in, perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Now, when he says infirmity here, we understand he's not talking about sickness. He's talking about all these troubles that the devil has used people to bring upon him. For one reason. Everyone say for one reason. To get him to give up on the faith. Are you seeing that? So keeping faith is not easy. I've kept the faith. Praise God. That's why I'm speaking to you about the faith. I've kept the faith. Keeping faith is not easy. And that's what the devil did to try to get Paul to give up, to back out. And he will exert the same things on some people. And of course, everyone's case is different, but the enemy will do what he can to get you to back out of the faith. Are you listening to me? But we are not going to back out in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read from verse 8. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are also are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Can someone say amen? amen. Can someone say amen? amen? So when you declare to be a Christian, listen to this. The kingdom of darkness declares spiritual war against you. Did you hear that? When you declare to be a Christian, the kingdom of darkness will declare spiritual war against you. It's important that you understand that. Because the kingdom of darkness is opposed to the kingdom of light. So the devil will do everything within his power to get you to give up on the faith. Everyone said the faith. I want to show you one Old Testament saint and how the devil put so much pressure on him to give up. Go with me to the book of Job and chapter 1. 
This is one of the Old Testament saints. This is one of the saints that lived. In actual fact, the book of Job is said to be one of the oldest books in the Bible. Job chapter 1, we read from verse 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. Everyone say blameless, blameless. And, upright. and upright. And one who feared God and shunned evil. So we're looking at a man who was a righteous man, who was blameless, who was upright. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So he was a wealthy man. Everyone say he was a wealthy man. See, it's possible to be righteous and wealthy. <laughs> I say it's possible to be righteous and wealthy. He was a man who feared God. He was a wealthy man. It's possible to have the fear of God and be wealthy. The Bible says he was the greatest man in the East. In other words, he was the wealthiest. Can someone say amen? amen. Now go with me to verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabines raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Here is a righteous man. Here is a God-fearing man. Now he is coming under attack. Is it possible to live for God and still be attacked? Yes. <laughs> no evil will befall me. No plague will come nigh my turn. That's true. <laughs> but see, listen now carefully. All these things are pressure from the enemy to get you to back off. The devil will exert some pressure on you. Why? Because he wants you to give up on the faith. We've read the things that Paul went through. Beaten with rods. Stoned. In actual fact, Bible scholars believe that when they stoned him, he died. But God raised him back to life. Because when those people stoned you, you couldn't leave. Are you listening to me? People were stoned to death. How was Stephen killed? They stoned him to death. When those people stoned you, they would stone you to the point where you die. So Bible scholars believe that when Paul was stoned, Paul was stoned to death. They stoned you with rocks. Now just think with me. Even if he did not die, when he eventually got up, it must have taken him days or weeks or months to recover. When they threw stones on you, they threw stones on your head and it breaks your skull. They threw stones on your face. They threw stones all over you. They target your head because that's where they know they can do the most evil. Is that right? Because the intention is to kill you. Why do you think they stoned him? They wanted to kill him. So, do you think that God was not aware of what Paul was going through? Come on, talk to me now. Was God aware of what Paul was going through? Was he aware of the stoning? Was he aware of when they beat him three times with rods? Come on, talk to me. Do you know what it means to beat a man with rods? It goes beyond your skin. It goes to your bones. Breaks your bones. It took him a while to recover. Three times with whips. 40 minus 1, 39. On three different times. Was God aware? Yes. Come on, talk to me. Yes. Was God aware? Yes. No, the way, the, way the, the, the word is preached in so many places, it appears like believers never suffer. Now, this is the right context of the believer's suffering. What Paul is 
telling us is the right context of the believer's suffering. No, the believer is not a sufferer from sickness, disease, and poverty. No, but the believer will suffer because they live righteously. If everybody like you, if everybody speak well of you, you need to check yourself. Come on now. Because the enemy would, would, the enemy would stir people up, and the enemy will use people. Now let's go back to Job here. Now his business is attacked. Is that right? Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have come to tell you, well, it's not the fire of God. You see, the man thought it was a fire of God. But what the man did not know that in the realm of the spirit, the devil had prepared all of, all of these things against Job. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, another also came. My God, is this not enough? The first guy came. The second guy came. While he was still speaking, here comes the third guy. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, Another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are all dead. All his children died in one day. And the man said, And I alone have escaped to tell you. Four evil reports in one day. But behind all this evil was the devil. Job was righteous. Job was doing the right thing. Are you listening to me? Yes. Look at verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. He fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And all. <laughs> I'll, I'll touch that a little bit. Verse 22 in, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can see that Job was speaking because he did not have the full revelation. So we don't want to blame him too much. But we understand the Lord did not take. Did the Lord give? Yes. Did the Lord take? No. Who took? <laughs> it was not God that took. It was the devil that took. Can someone say amen? Amen. But here is what I want you to see. That with all the pressure the enemy put on Job. In actual fact, it got to the point where his wife said to him, this, this was the ultimate plan of the devil. Speaking through his wife, the wife said, Will you maintain your integrity like this? Why don't you curse God and die? Job said to her, why do you speak like the foolish women? Must we only expect good from God and not evil? Again, you don't expect evil from God. Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation, neither shadow of turning. So God does not give anything evil. Because God is good. In Him there is no evil. Can someone say Amen. amen. But Job was speaking as a man who did not fully understand. But you know, the thing we need to draw from the life of Job and the resilience of Job is the fact that 
He trusted God. Come rain, come shine. Job said, I will not curse God. Can someone say amen? amen. Keeping the faith is important. We can throw in the towel. We can give up. I want to encourage somebody here this morning. No matter what you're going through, I want you to know that God is with you. Amen. God is with you. Amen. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Amen. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Amen. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon you. Amen. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Amen. And the reason I'll fear no evil is because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Even in the presence of your enemies, God will be there with you. Amen. Can someone shout amen? amen. Right, right there in the presence of your enemies, God will be there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they plot. It doesn't matter what they connive. It doesn't matter what they plan. It doesn't matter what they scheme. God is with you. It, that settles it. If God is with me, I'm good. If God is with me, I'm okay. If God is with me, I'm secure. If God, if God is with me, that, that's it. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. And sometimes people are, may not be with you. Your friends may not be with you. But if God is with you, that's all you need. That's all you need to know. For if God is with you, no man can be against you. Can someone say amen? What we need to draw from this is that we must keep the faith. We can't throw in the towel. We can't give up. We must keep running our race because the day comes when we stand before him and we shall rejoice in the presence of God forever and ever. If in this world we have a hope, then we, have, we are of all men most miserable. There is a place that we go to the day we live this world. If you believe it, give the Lord a big shout of praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Look, everyone goes through challenge. It, Jesus did not promise us life without troubles. He said, in this world you shall have troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Praise God. My God. Hope is rising up in people this morning. Hope. Hope. Hope is rising up in people this morning. Hope. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Don't throw in the towel. The Lord is with you. The Lord is on your side. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Understand that everyone is going through something. But you know, I like the phrase going through. Because... You go through. <laughs> You're not stuck. You're going through. Tell three people, I'm not stuck. I'm going through. You go through. You go through. Listen. No, come on. I'm going through. No matter what it is, you are going through. You are going through. And get, you know what's going to happen? When you come out on the other side, you're going to come out better than when you went through this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're coming out better. You're coming out stronger. You're coming out greater. You're coming out blessed. You're coming out with stronger faith. You're coming out, I'm telling you, a brand new man, a brand new woman. You're not coming out the way you went into this thing. You're going to come out better. Can someone say amen? Because see, the fire can only refine you. The fire can only refine you. The fire will not kill you. The Bible talks about our faith that's tested by fire. What happens when you put gold in fire? When you put gold in, the, in fire, it takes, it takes out the impurities. Are you listening to me? It takes out the impurities. The gold becomes better. You are going to become better. Amen. Oh, amen. That amen is very weak. So you are going to become better. Amen. You are going to be better. Amen. Let me speak it like we speak it. Better. You're going to be better. Amen. Let's speak American. You're going to be better. 
Come on, if you believe you're going to be better when you come out, give the Lord a big shout of praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're going to be better. Tell three people, I'm coming out stronger. I'm coming out better. What the enemy thought he would destroy my life with, God will use it for his glory. God will turn it for good. Come on, stand on your feet and give the Lord a big shout of praise the Lord. Take a minute.